Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. My dad plays guitar. My brother plays guitar. But um, I do not play guitar, and there's a reason for that. The Bible says to fret not. And so, fret not, it only leads to evil. So, I don't play guitar. That's why. You're welcome. All right. We've been in a series uh, called... Uh, I was going to say free indeed. We were in that series for a long time, so it's kind of my muscle memory. We've been in a series called Questions That God Asks You. All right? Throughout the Bible, throughout the Scripture, there are several times that God asks a question. I'm going to move this up here. So I got I to move, you know what I'm saying? I can't just stand right here. Um, several times in Scripture, uh, there are times where God asks a question uh, to a person. And of course, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. When God asks a question, he is not looking for information. He's perfect in knowledge. He's perfect in wisdom. He's perfect in understanding. When he asks you a question, he's actually, what he's doing, he's leading us in truth, right? And so um, what we've been focusing on in this, in this series is um, questions that I believe that God didn't just ask one individual in the Bible. I believe there's certain questions that God asks to every individual or will ask to every individual. Um, I've given this illustration the last couple, this example, the last couple weeks. But one example is when Jesus asked Peter, he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? That is, a, that is a question that each of us have to deal with at some time in our life or sometime in eternity. We have to decide, who, do we, who is Jesus to me? Is he just a good guy? Was he a prophet? Is he the savior of the world, right? So that's a question that God asked Peter, and I believe he asked us all that. So when God asks us a question, he's doing one of three things. He's leading us into truth. He's sharing information. He's actually asking us to think. He's leading us. Um, he's giving revelation. So he wants to reveal something about you, or he wants to reveal something about the world around you, or something about himself. And ultimately, number three, God wants to bring transformation to you and to the world around you. Okay, so part one, the first question that God asked in the Bible was, where are you? Adam and Eve sinned, and when they heard God walking uh, in the cool of the day, they hid from God, right? And God comes into the garden. Of course, God's not looking for Adam. He knows where Adam is, but he said, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? I, I personally believe that God wasn't, like, trying to find Adam's geographic location. I believe he's saying, Adam, where is your heart? What happened to our connection? Where are you, Right? Part two, we talked about um, the, the very next uh, question that God asked Adam was this. Um, he said, why were you hiding? And, and um, Adam says, well, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said to Adam, who told you, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? And so we talked about lies that oftentimes, often we believe lies that someone told us or we believe something from our childhood that into our adulthood we believe something about ourselves or something that isn't true. Who told you that? And so we talked about how to break agreement with those lies in our lives. Part three, we're going to, um, we'll get to the title of the message here in just a second. We're going to read a chunk of scripture and then we'll, we'll preach on it here. So bear with me on the front end. But we're going to start in Exodus uh, chapter uh, three, verse one. <clears throat> Take a drink first. It's a long, it's a long scripture. All right. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. <clears throat> and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that although the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, the Lord says, said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Prezerites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So I think it's kind of funny that God says, I'm promising you all this stuff, you know, this land. By the way, there's other people living in it. It's kind of like, I want to give you this house up on the hill. Only problem, there's someone living up on that, you know, in the house currently. Okay. All right, verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my uh, people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So Moses has taken all this in, and all of a sudden, God says to Moses, I'm sending you to do this. I think Moses at the time, he's like, who, you talking to me? Yeah. He didn't want to go, okay? Watch this. Moses starts to argue with God. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. All right? Moses, from this point, Moses goes on kind of arguing with God, basically, of why he's completely disqualified from being the person that should go. He argues with God, basically, from verses 13 to 22. And then we'll pick up and, and get our sermon title here in the first chapter, um, the first part of chapter 4, Exodus 4, 1 through 5. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What's in your hand? Okay. I believe what's in your hand, God asked this question, is a question that every one of us, that God asks every one of us. Many times we, um, God, you know, leads us to do something. We tell God, God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not eloquent enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough. I don't make enough. God, I am not enough. You got the wrong guy here, right? Have you ever felt that way? You got the wrong guy. God, you got the wrong guy to lead this family. God, you got the wrong guy to lead this church or in your job or whatever it is. How many ever felt that way? God, you got the wrong guy or the wrong girl, right? Okay. Don't be surprised if God will follow up, respond in, in, with a question. Don't be surprised if he follows up with a question. What's in your hand? What is it that's in your hand? What is it that I've given you? What's in your hand? The title of my message today is called, What's in Your Hand? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? I got a microphone in mine, okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let me finish reading this scripture and we'll, then we'll talk here. Verse 2, then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. Okay, I got a staff here. Why don't you, why don't you hand that to me? All right. What's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, 
tangled here. Okay. The Lord said, throw it onto the ground. So Moses threw it onto the ground and it became a snake and he ran from him. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by its tail. So Moses reached out his hand, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said, um, this said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. All right, he said to Moses, what is that in your hand, right? What's in your hand? So many times we are reluctant to stepping forward because we don't realize that what is in our hands is enough for God to multiply. What is in our hands is enough for him to use. This simple stick, Moses was walking around with a stick. This simple little stick that Moses had actually became a symbol of God's power and deliverance for a whole nation. The simple stick that Moses was just walking around with, okay? And so he has this snake, uh, or he has this staff. It, when he laid it down, it became a snake. <clears throat> it's the same staff that when he, when he touched it to the Nile, the Nile was turned to blood. It's the same staff that when he, when he held it, the Red Sea parted, right? It's the same staff that when they were in the wilderness, he, he struck the rock and water came out of it to give to all the people. It's the same staff that they, when they defeated the Amalekites, they were, they were fighting. It's the same staff that Moses held up and, and uh, Aaron and Hur had to hold his arms up that God delivered them, okay? So it was the things in his hands that God, it's things in our hands that God wants to use. All right, I'm gonna put this down somewhere. I can't preach this whole message with a stick. <laughs> okay. Today, what I wanna remind you of, remind us of, it's the simple things in your hands that God will use. The simple things in your hands. If, if we'll yield those things to him. If we're willing to lay those things down. If we're willing to let him use those things. <clears throat> okay, so what's in your hands? What's in your hands? So at this point, there's a number of ways we could go with this message. There's a number of directions. Um, how many know what's in our hands? Our time is in our hands. Our talents are in our hands. Our treasure is in our hands, right? Our relationships are in our hands. There's a lot of things in our hands. And maybe you're facing an impossible situation or God's asked you to do something and he's just saying, hey, why don't you lay some time before me? Why don't you lay some of your talents, some of your treasure? I want you to lay that relationship before me. So today, which one do we want to hone in on here? Today, um, I want to talk to you about something that as a pastor, I have never talked about um, to the church before. And I actually fought God on this a little bit because it's awkward sometimes. I want to talk to you about giving uh, financially. I want to talk about tithing. Now, there's uh, some you know, visitors here, and you're like, great, I knew it. First time I tried church in 10 years, I go to church. The first thing the pastor brings up is money, brings up, <clears throat> brings up tithing. Now, as my wife said, we're almost two years in as a church. I've never done a message on giving. But how many know giving is something in the Bible? Jesus addressed it a lot. Jesus talked about it <clears throat> a lot. And so, listen, and the offering's already gone by. There's no pressure here. We're not going to take up an offering at the end of this message, <laughs> right? I don't want your compulsive one-time gift. I want, I, want you, I want God to have your heart, right? That's what I want. I want God to have your heart. We don't want your compulsive one-time gift, okay? So... I've preached on giving before, but it's mostly just sprinkled in here and there. I've never done a full message on, on tithing. And I want to talk about tithing today. <clears throat> and this is what I felt like the Lord, what the Lord spoke to me. 
I was kind of avoiding, like, well, we could do this angle and this angle for, you know, what's in your hand. And I felt like the Lord said, if I don't talk about this, I'm robbing some people of the opportunity to know what a blessing tithing can be, what a blessing this can be to your life, okay? And I don't want to rob you, okay? I don't want to rob you of the opportunity to know what a blessing this can be to your life. So I want to invite you on a journey of discovering what it's like to be a tither, okay? Awkward silence. (laughs) So what is is tithing, first of all? For those of you who are new to this, um, I'm going to answer a few questions. We'll we'll kind of build on this. What is a tithe? Okay, simply put, a tithe means a tenth or 10% of your increase. Okay, that's what a tithe is. Um, in, the, in the Bible, the King James versions will often say tithe. The NIV might just translate and say a tenth. You know, Abraham gave a tenth, right? So if you make $10, what is a tithe? $1. If you make $100, what is a tithe? $10, right? Okay, so that's, that's what a, a tithe is. It's a, it's, it means a tenth. But specifically, what I want to say is a tithe is not just a tenth. A tithe is actually the first tenth. Okay, my wife and I, <clears throat> we don't wait until, like, all the bills are paid and then see if there's enough to tithe. We've been tithers for years, and we take the first 10%. First 10% of what comes in. We have payday. Actually, our, our, our tithe comes out automatically from our account. Payday, boom, it goes right out right away. That's the first thing we do. We take the first 10th, and we tithe it. Okay. <clears throat> now, that's, that's, an important, that's an important piece for you. It's not just the 10th. It's the first 10th. And we teach our kids to do this same thing. Um, my, my daughter's earned, I don't know, $4 lately. I asked her, I said, now don't forget to tithe. You're going to children's church. How much is a tithe on $4? Bryson, math guy. 40 cents, right? Bryson's good at math, for those of you don't know. He's a walking calculator. So if you ever need someone to do some quick numbers for you. <clears throat> so I said, don't forget to take your 40 cents to, to children's church. We're trying to instill this value into them as children. Listen. Teach your kids to be generous. Teach them from here that the tithe belongs to the Lord, okay? So we're trying to instill this habit in our kids. My wife and I, for years since we've been married, have been tithers. We take 10% and we give it to the local church before we were in ministry, before anything. In fact, when I met my wife, she was double tithing. She was giving giving 20% of her income. And then as our finances merged, I'm like, babe, I love that you're a giver. I said, but you also have some credit card debt here. <laughs> I said, let's, uh, how about we knock out this credit card debt and then we'll go back to double tithing later, you know? So we have our strengths, don't we, babe? She's good at some stuff. I'm, I'm good at others. So we have been, we have been tithers since, since, we, since uh, we, we've been married. And I was before and she was before. Um, I will say, as a church, we tithe as a church. We take whatever comes in, we take 10% off the top, and we give it to local, national, and international missions. Before we budget one penny of the church's money, we take 10%, and we give that back, okay? We believe in this so much. We do it. Our staff does it. Our church even does it, okay? And so I say that to say, when I, when I say this to you, I'm not trying to get you to do something that we don't believe in. I'm not trying to get you to do something that we don't do ourselves, Okay? And so that's what a tithe is. A tithe is the first 10% of your income. What isn't a tithe? 
Um, a tithe is not, it's not volunteering of your time, although that's awesome form of generosity, right? It's not um, volunteering of your talents, right? That's, although that is an amazing form of generosity. It's another form of generosity. Okay, so that's what a tithe is. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, why do we tithe? Why do we tithe? <clears throat> Tithing is a statement about three things. Tithing is a statement about my gratitude, my priorities, and my faith. Okay, my gratitude. I'm grateful for what God has given me, so I'm returning the tithe back to him. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 8, 8, 18 says that the fact that we are able to produce wealth or to, to make money is actually a gift by God. You might think, I have all this because I'm a hard worker, and that certainly plays a part in it. We should be hard workers. But the fact that you have the ability to, to work and to um, think and to use your body, that's a gift from God. Okay? We wouldn't even have that without God. Okay? So it's a statement about my gratitude, which is my past. What has he given me in the past? What has he blessed me with? It's also a statement about my present, my priorities. Tithing declares my number one, God is my number one priority in life here and now. And it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship to give, okay? And tithing is a statement about my faith. I'm declaring that God is going to be a provider in my future, okay? It's a statement about my faith as well, okay? I'm grateful, I'm obedient, and I'm trusting God for the future, okay? <clears throat> so that's, that's why we tithe. And I'll, I'll, need, I'll read another verse here that kind of explains why we tithe. But uh, point number three, where do I tithe, Okay? <clears throat> throughout throughout uh, church history, <clears throat> um, throughout church history, traditionally, people have given the tithe to their local church. And I want to show you the scripture of why that happens. Um, Malachi chapter 3, verses 10, it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room <clears throat> to store it, okay? So what is the storehouse, okay? The storehouse, it's your place of worship. And, and, and back in the day when this was written, the storehouse was the temple. That's where they brought the tithe. They brought the full tithe to the temple, okay? It's your place of worship. In fact, if you read, um, if you, I was looking at the Hebrew words here, and it actually would read literally like this. It says, it would say, Bring all the tithes into my house, the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Okay, that's like the literal, like if you just read down the Hebrew. Bring all the tithes into my house, the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Okay. At that time, the temple was the place, the storehouse they brought to the tithe. We bring our tithe, and we have, my wife and I have for years, to the local church. It's the storehouse that there may be food, spiritual food, in the house. Okay. Right now, your kids are down in children's church. They're, we're feeding them. We're feeding them the word of God. We're nourishing them by teaching and instructing them the word of God. There's food in the house. And so typically, this is what I encourage people to do. Tithe to your local church. If this isn't your local church, um, God bless you. Glad you're here. Tithe to your local church. In fact, I've even heard, um, um, I think it was Joseph Prince. He has, he's a pastor in another country. Um, they have a, a TV show, and, and they say, Hey, um, if you want to give an, an offering to us, awesome. But your, your tithe belongs to your local church. 
They actually tell people that. These are people trying to get money for the ministry. They're saying, hey, your tithe belongs to your local church, but if you want to give us an offering, awesome. Okay, so the tithe, bring the tithe to the, to the church. But I love this. Watch this. God says, test me. Test me. Did you know, test me in this, to see if I will not pour out such a blessing for you that you cannot contain it. Did you know this is the only place in the Bible that God says, test me? There's actually a command, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus quoted it to the devil when, the, when Satan was tempting him, right? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. But then God here in Malachi says, test me. This is the only part, only place in the entire Bible where God says, you can test me in this. Go ahead, give and see if I will not bless you. Try me out. I love that. Okay, so, um, so we believe the tithe belongs to the local church. Of course, if you want to give offerings or give above that to other things, of course we believe that as well. But we believe the tithe belongs to the local church. Okay, let me talk about, so that's what is a tithe, where, um, why we tithe, and where do we tithe, okay? This is kind of tithing 101. This is not like a deep message on tithing. It's just 101. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on this today. <clears throat> Let me talk about a couple misconceptions of tithing, okay? Misconception number one, tithing is for God, okay? Despite what you think, God actually doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He could, he could, he could um, finance the kingdom any number of ways. He could have chosen to have ravens bring, you know, whatever, money in. I don't know. He could have chosen to finance the kingdom in a number of ways. He doesn't need your money. Tithing isn't for God. Tithing is actually for you. It's actually for you. It does, something, it does something to your heart to let go. It does something to your heart to give, okay? It enlarges your heart. It enlarges your faith and trust in Jesus. It's a, it's a declaration that I don't serve money. Nothing says I don't serve money like giving it away. Want to prove money? Doesn't, you don't serve money? Give it away, okay? That's a declaration that you, money belongs to you. You don't belong to money. God doesn't mind you having money. He just doesn't want you to... Be a slave to it, right? Amen? He wants the money to serve us, not the other way around. Okay? It also opens supernatural blessings. There is something about it. Of course, there's grace, and God loves you, and he will bless you, of course. But there is something about generosity that opens up the gates of heaven to bless you. I'll give you, I'll give you an example in our life. <clears throat> This isn't really an, uh, an example of the tithe. This is more an example of an offering. But years ago, uh, my wife and I had a, had a girl in our ministry, and they, her and her family like really needed a car. Her car broke down, and they, they really needed one. And so we had just bought a car. We were going to sell my wife's car. And um, we just both had the idea, like, let's just give this car to her. Like, let's give a car away, you know. How many have ever given a car away? That's, isn't that fun to give, give someone a car? They need a car, and you're like, here, here you go. Here's a car for you. So we gave a car to this girl. A couple days later, um, I find out that I have, I have a close family member. And this close family member, I find out they really need a car. And I was like, dang it. Like, I just gave this car away, and I feel like the Lord said to do that. But now I have a really close family member who I love, and they really need a car. And I'm like, bummer. Like, did I miss it? Did we... Do we not hear the Lord on that? And so a couple days go by, and the, the church we were working at in Loveland, um, I'm, I'm walking by our business administrator's office, and I hear him talking to the, the senior pastor there. And I hear them say, hey, maybe we could give that car. And they, I hear them say the name of the girl that we'd given a car to. 
And so I stopped and I said, oh, I just, I heard you guys say you have a card someone donated, but you want to maybe give it to that girl. We already gave a card to her, just FYI, you know. <laughs> so just FYI, you know, that's all I wanted to say. You know, I kind of eavesdropping, just walking down the hallway. And our, our senior pastor, Pastor Jonathan, at that time, he said, well, do you want the car? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't need a car, really, you know. But then I was like, but wait, if you give me that car, then I can have another car to give away to somebody else. And so because the car that, that was donated to the church was a four-wheel drive car, and I wanted a four-wheel drive car. My car was a two-wheel drive car. It's like, I'm going to give this family member my car, the two-wheel drive car. I'm going to take this four-wheel drive car. <clears throat> and so just through the circumstance of giving away a car, then God gave us another car, like right away. Within a span of like a week or two, we'd given away two vehicles. Like, that's fun, you know? Like, those are the kind of things that God will do. <clears throat> those are the kind of things God will do. If, you, if, you, um, are, if you're generous, generosity opens God to pour out blessing on you, and, you and, and, it, and it rolls. It does more and more and more. It's awesome, okay? And so that's misconception number one, that tithing is for God. Tithing is actually for you. It does something amazing. That's probably the biggest encouragement that I would say to you is that it does something to your heart. It makes you grateful, okay? Misconception number two, tithing is only part of the Old Testament law. And sometimes you hear people say this, like, well, tithing was under the law. We're not under the law. Correct, we're not under the law. But tithing is not just under the Old Testament law. And I want to show you, I want to teach you a little bit on that real quick. Um, it is true that at the cross, in, in history, at the cross, like a lot of things changed, right? Some things ended at the cross. Some things were changed at the cross, and some things continued straight through at the cross. I'll give you an example of all three. Something that ended at the cross was blood sacrifices, right? There's no longer need for blood sacrifices. Jesus shed his blood once and for all, for all, for all of mankind, right? So there isn't a need for blood sacrifices after Jesus died, okay? Those ended at the cross. Something that changed changed at the cross was this. The Sabbath actually changed at the cross, okay? Now, for the record, take a day off. Your, your body needs a day of rest. But actually, for us, Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our Sabbath. We rest from all trying to do the, the things of the law. We rest in the finished work of the cross. We rest in Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. I will give you rest. Jesus is literally our Sabbath. So Sabbath isn't just one day a week that I rest physically. Sabbath is I spiritually rest in Jesus every day of the week, 24-7, 365. I rest in what he did. I'm not trying to be a son. I am a son, right, because of what Jesus did, okay? So Sabbath actually, and yes, your body still needs a physical day off. Do that, you know. But Sabbath changed in, in that regard at the cross. Okay, now let me give you an example of something that continued through the cross. The tithe. The tithe continued, didn't change. It went straight through the cross, okay? Jesus said this, Matthew 23, verse 23. This is a chapter where he's dropping the hammer. He's dropping the hammer on the Pharisees here. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Okay, so he said, hey, you guys are faithful tithers but you've neglected the more important things of, of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So someone might be like, see, the tithe isn't that important. The more important things are justice, mercy, and faithfulness, according to Jesus. And that is true. 
justice, mercy, and faithfulness is actually more important than if you tithe, okay? But watch this. Watch what he says after that. You should, now what? He says, you should have done the latter. Now, if there had been a period at the end of the sentence, then there would be a big case here that maybe we shouldn't, maybe we don't need to observe tithing. But he says, you should have done the latter, and then what does he say? Without neglecting the former, okay? He's saying, tithe, that's important. Give 10%, that's important. By the way, don't neglect these more important, these more weighty things, justice, mercy, right? And faithfulness, okay? So Jesus affirmed, in the New Testament, affirmed the tithe, okay? Okay, so that's, it went through the cross, but I actually want to show you before the law was given that the tithe was in place, okay? Abraham, in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham gave a tithe. Did you know this? This was before the law was given. Abraham gave a tithe. And um, the first time a tithe is mentioned in the Bible, it's Genesis chapter 14, Abraham gave a tithe. He gave a tenth. Um, it's, I don't have time to go on all of the teaching on it. He gave it to a, someone at the time was named Melchizedek. But fun fact about this, that literally, if you, if you read um, Hebrews chapter 7, you will find out that this person that Jesus gave his tithe to was literally a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. Jesus actually received a tithe from Abraham before the law and before Jesus was actually born into this world. He was a pre-incarnate uh, form of Jesus that received a tithe from Abraham, okay, before the law. Okay, so the tithe, it was established by Abraham before the law. It was ratified by the law, and then it was reinforced by Jesus in the New Testament. It's something that's carried through the whole way, okay, so it is for us. And it's not, it's not a legalism thing. Oh, that's the exact dime, 10%. Well, we do. We, we give 10%. We, God's put that on our heart. This isn't um, a legal message. This is a grace message. This is a love message. This is a message about your heart, right? God wants to. You actually, if your heart's not in it, if you give reluctantly or under compulsion, God doesn't want it anyway. And there's actually not a blessing in it for you if you give it reluctantly and under compulsion. God wants, God loves what? A cheerful giver. He wants you to cheerfully. So if you hear me preaching like, give the 10 and then God will bless you, I'm saying, no, give 10%, but let, let it come from your heart. Let it come from a heart of overflowing generosity. Okay, let it be a work of grace in your life. Amen? Okay, three groups of people I want to just talk to real quick today. Okay, and again, we're not taking up an offering this is your first time the church here, believe me, we will talk about something else next week. I, we're almost two years old. I've never talked about tithing. Okay. But I felt like the Lord said, some, you're robbing some people of this blessing. Okay. And I want to make sure you guys understand that it's a blessing. <clears throat> so three groups of people. Number one, you're a consistent tither. You're a consistent giver. Um, I just want to say thank you. And you don't need me to say thank you. You're, you've already made up your mind you're doing this, okay? But I want to say thank you. We appreciate you so much, okay? Uh, group number two, you're a sporadic giver, a sporadic tither. Um, I also want to say we appreciate you. I, listen, you don't have to come here and give for us to appreciate you. Just you being in the seat, honest, this is all honesty. You just being in the seat, like, blesses me. You just coming to church and being here, we're blessed by your presence, Okay? So if you're a spread giver, we appreciate you, but I want to invite you, I want to invite you to, to moving towards being a tither. I want to invite you to, in this coming year, this coming year, coming up, make a, make a, try to make a commitment to move towards being a tither, okay? And for some people, I understand, like, for some people, you're just not giving it 
You just haven't made it a priority, and you can. And I understand some people, like, you're strapped. You're like, how could I give 10? I understand, like, there are, there are difficult situations there. And I will just say, begin to make steps. Pay off that debt. Move that around. Don't buy a stupid boat, you know. <laughs> like, really, it's because we buy dumb things that we can't do this. Because we, God, okay, is God, is God number one in our lives? Well, no, because you bought a bunch of dumb things, right? Really, that's usually why we can't tithe, because we bought a bunch of dumb stuff, okay? It's true. Listen, have your boat, have your RV, have your stuff. God loves it. He wants you to enjoy your life. Put them first, though, okay? So if you're a sporadic giver, I want to encourage you to move towards being a, a faithful tither. Now, group number three, you seldom or you never give, okay? For, again, first of all, we're tr- I'm truly blessed by you being here. We're truly blessed. And there's no guilt, condemnation. There's, this is not a shame message. This is a grace message, okay? We don't want you to feel any guilt or condemnation. But if God is moving your heart, I want to encourage you to begin giving. And like I said, maybe for some people it's like, it's impossible. I cannot give 10%, you know. What I want to encourage you to do is give something. Every week, give something, $5. Put something in because it it does something to say, you know what, and maybe this is that cup of coffee I wanted, you know what I mean? Put something in the offering and, and as an act of worship, as an act of love, an act of devotion to God. And what will happen, number one, I believe God will begin to pour more blessing on you, but it'll actually begin to unlock your heart. What, what the danger is, I think, many times we wait till it's like perfect. It's like, I want to be a tither, but first I got to do all these things, okay? Don't wait till it's perfect, because I don't know when it's ever been perfect for us. It's, we always feel it. We always feel that. There's a lot of things we could do with that, you know? But we just made a decision. We don't even look at that. That's not even part of our budget. We don't even look at it. We just give it. Um, it's kind of like people who are like, we want to have kids, but we're just waiting till we're ready. You know, <laughs> we're not ready yet. <clears throat> I love it when people say we're not ready and they're waiting and then they like get pregnant on accident. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, you're about to get ready. You're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ready or not. <clears throat> you're about to get a baptism that you didn't want. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so no one's ready to have kids. Like, even if you think you're ready financially, you're, you're still, like, going to be waking up at night. It's not, yeah, you know. So don't wait till you feel ready. Begin to give some, I understand some people are, it's really tight. Give something every week. Give something, okay? Maybe $10 or maybe $5. Just put something and begin to trust God in that, okay? And I'll just say, just by simple math, say you put $10 in every week, 52 weeks a year, that's 500. I did it. I did the calculation earlier. It's $520. <laughs> Listen, I'll just say as a church, we can do something with $520. <clears throat> That's like, we can do something with that. Like $10 a week doesn't seem like much, but I think Adam this week, he got the live stream going out in the foyers and we got TV hooked up in the single mom's room. The parts that he needed was about 500 bucks to get that going. Nursing mom's room that okay I said single moms we have a nursing mother's room for those of you who don't know if you need to nurse your baby you can go in there what's that yeah and not miss service yeah we used to be like if you have to go nurse your baby you'd miss service so we're streaming into that room now so but the part that Adam needed Adam who's our media director it was about 500 bucks you know so your ten dollars a week would we could do something with that I'm just saying it, it does make a difference, okay? Um, 
the seed thought for this entire series actually came from um, something that happened to me uh, recently. How many of you watch Netflix? Yeah, some form of Netflix, okay. People are reluctantly like admitting. <laughs> I know you binge watch. I, I know you're binge watchers. We've, I don't like starting shows because then I have to watch them. Like, I, I know that I'm gonna like that show, so I'm just not gonna watch it, right? So, um, how many have seen the documentary called Inside Bill's Brain? It's about Bill Gates. Raise it loud and proud. About three of you, okay. I like documentaries. I'm like a documentary guy. So it's a documentary about Bill Gates. Um, I highly recommend it, okay. In the year 2000, Bill Gates, who you all know is a billionaire, he, he steps down as the CEO of Microsoft. And he and his wife, when he stepped down, they started a foundation called the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He took billions of his do dollars and put it into this foundation. Um, his friend, a really good friend, Warren Buffett, also a billionaire, took half of his wealth, half of it, and put it into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And the foundation, <clears throat> they try to solve some of the world's most difficult problems. There's um, sanitation, or, uh, clean water around the world is a huge problem. Like, people are needlessly dying because of sanitation. Um, and the other one was eradication of diseases. There's, there's pockets of the world that they're still dealing with polio, something that's been completely eradicated in the United States before I was born, right? So there's still pockets, so they're working on that. And then the third thing they're working on is um, sol solving the world's like energy problems and stuff like that. <clears throat> and so I was watching this show, and I like, I like people who want to change the world. I like that kind of like, I'm just inspired by people who want to change the world. Um, I don't know if we should go to Mars, but I think it's cool that like Elon Musk wants to go there. It's like, that'd be cool, wake up one day, we're there. Like humans are on Mars, you know? I don't know, I like people who want to do big things, change the world. So for Bill Gates, I thought it's pretty understandable to think of a billionaire who wakes up <clears throat> one day, he's retired, um, can't take the money with me, you, but you know what, I can, I can change the world. It's pretty understandable that someone with billions of extra dollars who has everything they ever want would just want to change the world, right? But I found myself at the end of this documentary, I found myself falling into a lie. I found myself starting to believe a lie. The thought that I had was, man, I don't have these type of resources. How can I make a big difference in the world like this? How can I make a big difference? I don't know, billions, you know? And, and how many know when you believe the lie, you empower the liar, right? And that's the case with most of us. And even Bill Gates, he, he's pooling money to get some of these things done, they're huge. Many times we <clears throat> see that the need is so huge that we're paralyzed, like, I could never touch that. I could never make a difference. That's such a huge thing. I could never make a difference with that. And so we fall into this mentality of all or nothing. If I can't fix it all, I'm just, I'm not, and we just kind of put our heads down and we don't do anything, right? <clears throat> I don't have billions of dollars, so I'm just going to move on. And then the thought, this thought occurred to me. The thought occurred to me. God's not going to judge me for what somebody else has but God will hold me accountable for what's in my hands. He is gonna hold me accountable for my time, my treasure, and my talent, okay? He's gonna hold us accountable for what is in, what's in your hands. He's gonna hold you accountable for what's in your hands. And it's not billions, but how many know the little thing can make a huge difference over time? And I felt like the Lord says, hey, what's in your hands? What's in your hands? That became the seed thought, really, for this entire series because this is the message that I really wanted to give. Okay, I don't know if... 
I don't think, to my knowledge, Bill Gates is a Christian, but, but suppose he became a Christian and he ended up in heaven. Okay, Bill Gates isn't necessarily going to get more reward in heaven because he gave away billions and I only gave away thousands. Because God doesn't reward based upon um, our capacity. He, he rewards based upon our, um, our faithfulness, our heart. Let me, let me look at what my notes say about that. Okay, he, <clears throat> I'm sorry. He will not be rewarded. Um, for, we're not rewarded for our capacity. We're rewarded by our faithfulness for what he's given us, for what he's put into our hands. Okay, same thing with you. You might think, I don't have billions to get away, and I, how could I do that? But listen, God, God will and does want to reward you. He doesn't forget the things you give. Okay, this is not actually not a heavy thing, like who's going to judge me by what, what he's giving me. Actually, it's an awesome thing because he says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, I don't forget it. Okay, those little, little tiny things, even, I think even, honestly, picking up trash, you know, in different places or picking up a mess, I think God sees that. I think he rewards that. He doesn't forget those things. Helping old ladies, giving a, cold, a cup of cold water in his name, like he remembers this stuff, okay? So here's my point for you today. In your hand, it's probably not enough. Probably not. But in God's hands, he can make it more than enough. Okay, my question is, what is in your hand? You don't have to worry about Bill Gates' millions because that's not yours. What do you have in your hands? What can you be faithful with in your hands? <clears throat> okay, if you keep what you have in your hands, it will surely die with you. But if you yield that to God, it will surely outlive you. If you sow that, it will surely outlive you. Now, I'll leave, leave you with this one, <clears throat> this one thought. Okay, the perspective that God wants to have God doesn't see the apples in the tree. He sees the orchard in the apple. Okay? God doesn't see just, oh, there's that many apples in the tree. He sees the orchard in the apple. How I many know if you take that apple, take the seed, sow it in the ground, that can become an orchard. There can be, it can multiply. It can become an orchard. Same thing with our finances. Yes, it's a blessing for our life, but also it's a blessing for the world. The, the kingdom of God around us can expand. Our hearts come alive. Giving is an amazing thing. It's, it's, God wants to do this in us. He wants to give us a grace to give. I love when people have a gift of giving, a gift of grace, right? Um, they're some of the most exciting people to be around. So, <clears throat> again, we're not taking up a, an offering today. There's no pressure. I don't want any compulsive or, you know, uh, or uh, reluctant givers. Let this, let, let this sink into your heart. And if you're not a tither, I want to encourage you to be a tither. Be, be a giver. Be someone who lives generously. What's the alternative? You're just going to use it all on you, right? He's give, God's giving you some things to bless other people. So let it bless other people. Amen? Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.